millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Online and on DAB Digital Radio. Women's Football Weekly with Faker Others on TalkSport 2. All the action, excitement and drama from across the entire women's game, including the Women's Super League. Beat off the line by Steph Horton. The UEFA Women's Champions League and the Euro 2021 qualifiers. Lana Clellan striking from outside the penalty area. World beating, big match conversation on the station that's raising the game for women's football. And she scored. Women's Football Weekly with with Faye Carruthers on TalkSport 2. Hello and happy Easter. Welcome to Women's Football Weekly. It was another packed weekend of women's football action. But on the pitch, the biggest news came in the championship as Leicester City sealed the title and promotion to the Women's Super League. It's Flint. And that surely clinches the title. Off the pitch, players unite behind Birmingham City after complaints over working conditions. The FA are now investigating whether the club could be in breach of their WSL licence. On the pitch, the strain showed with a 6-0 defeat to Chelsea. Kirby has Charles to the right-hand side. Kirby may go alone, and she does. And why not? And Chelsea have hit Birmingham for six. And West Ham lift themselves off the bottom of the table with a shock 5-0 thumping of Reading. Darley lifts on, on a hat-trick, here's Thomas, Thomas away, lifts over the keeper, goal five for West Ham, it's the perfect afternoon for bottom of the table West Ham, but they're not bottom anymore. This is Women's Football Weekly, National Radio's only dedicated women's football show. Women's Football Weekly with Faker Others. Hi, I'm Jordan Nobbs and you're listening to Women's Football Weekly on TalkSport 2. Hello team, how are you all doing? Stuff full of Easter eggs, I hope. <laughs> uh, right, cracking guests as always for you. Let's start off with Jenna Scalacci, former Tottenham captain. How are you doing, Jenna? I'm good, thank you. How are you? Yes, very, very well, thank you. Very, very well. Uh, Rich Laverty, women's football writer. Busy weekend for you, no doubt. As always, Faith. Right, listen, we would have loved to have started this show celebrating Leicester City's success we will be speaking to Sophie Barker later on um, but we do have to start instead with a a shocking story really that's emerged today regarding Birmingham City women uh, because their players have sent a formal letter to the club's board with a list of complaints about their working conditions including concerns about medical support budgets and access to fitness facilities Uh, that letter has been seen by the Daily Telegraph and was signed by the entire first team squad and lists concerns which the players say prevent us from 
performing our jobs to the best of our ability. Um, now, since this came out, I've also been told by a source close to the club that the women's team don't have a definite changing room or base to keep their belongings. They also don't have a social area and are often moved to cater for the younger boys' teams. Uh, one player couldn't receive medical support because the club hadn't paid a bill, so they continued to play and are now out for the rest of the season. Um, that is just two of, of a list of, of a number of complaints that the players have put to the board. Um, Jenna, what was your reaction when you first saw this story? Oh, I just think it's a really sad, sad day for women's football again. I think, you know, Birmingham City, they're an established WSL team and they deserve so much better. And women's football deserves so much better from this. I think you know, they. I think I love the fact that they've they've done it as a team because I think the player power will have a big impact. Uh, but they shouldn't be having to do this. They're professional athletes. You know, they shouldn't have to worry about how they're going to get to football matches. That stress should be taken off them, and facilities should be a given. They should have their own area. These are things that professional athletes should have, whether you're male or female. Um, so yeah, I was I was really disappointed with it, but um, I think good on the girls, the team. I think that their their manager Carla Ward, you know, as an an ex footballer herself, will know what what we need as footballers, and, I, and I'm sure she's she's backing them at, um, every step of the way. Yeah, and player power is really crucial, actually. I'm just going to read some of the tweets that I've seen online today. Jilly Flaherty, West Ham captain, massive respect to all the players and staff at Birmingham City Women for speaking up on this situation. Can't have been easy to speak out, but to create change takes bravery and the whole of women's football stands with you. You deserve better. Manchester United's Lucy Staniforth, who was at Birmingham last season, said what Birmingham City women's staff and players have done is remarkable given the inadequate support which they've received. I'm curious as to how how these conditions have been passed as acceptable and would urge those responsible to seriously consider the well-being of the individuals affected. And just one more from uh, Manchester City's Aoife Mannion. Uh, we stand with you, Birmingham City women players. Very concerning to hear about how these players feel they're being treated. Being treated fairly and with dignity is the minimum standard. And when players at one team suffers, we all suffer. And that's quite powerful in itself, Rich, isn't it? Because there would have been days a few years ago, even, that nobody would have wanted to, to stand up and actually, you know, highlight these issues, let alone come en masse and discuss them, take a letter to the board, because they know that this is wrong and they know that in this kind of climate we're in now, this can be sorted out. Yeah, and I think, unfortunately... I think maybe players are becoming braver because actually these things are happening so regularly at the moment. I think what Jenna said there was quite pertinent at the start when she said it was a sad day for women's football again. Because how many times this year have we already sat here and, and talked about the the bad side of women's football? And I think now it's got to the point where, whether it was Dubai, whether it was obviously the Team GB, Hannah Hampton situation a few weeks ago, where these things are, are coming up so often that people feel the need to speak out now. But I think when it's against a, a whole club, a whole organisation, I think it's what we need to do. I think, you know, it is wrong what's going on there, if the details are correct. And, you know, we need to, everyone needs to support them. And, and it needs to be known, you know, why to the whole sport, to every every fan out there. But I think it's a message that's being sent to the Birmingham owners more than anything. So... We just have to hope there's there's some kind of resolution in there. I mean, it might not be a happy ending. It, it, it might be, who knows? But I think um, bringing it to the wider attention, 
hopefully can be a, a positive thing. Yeah, well, I want to talk to you about um, Birmingham's reaction to this as well, because it's important to put their side of the story across because sources within the club had insisted that the squad had numerous requests to actually meet the board uh, rejected before they sent that player letter in. But a club spokesman has said the letter was received in the last week and responded to. A request to meet with the board was made in the letter and the request was the first formal request uh, to be received. It's no secret we have one of the lowest budgets in the league. Covid's only compounded this. This certainly makes it difficult to compete, but we're doing our best on and off the pitch in what is a very difficult time for professional football. They also said, because there have been allegations that, you know, medically they're not being properly supported. And they've said, as per FA regulations, home teams are required to have a doctor on site. Teams can choose to travel with a doctor when they go away if they wish, but very few teams in the WSL actually travel with a doctor. There are no plans to not be competing in the WSL next season, and the team are fully focused on doing what's required to keep them in the WSL. Both the men's and women's first teams are yet to secure survival in their respective leagues, which makes it hard to start contract negotiations for next season. It's been a challenging time for everyone, including us. We're working towards and hoping to secure survival for both teams so we can continue to plan for the future of the club. Now, you can understand that, bearing in mind the situation that they find themselves in, that many clubs find themselves in. But when, you, when you're talking about basic facility provision, I don't think that a lack of money and investment in a championship club can be an excuse for that, really, Jenna. No, absolutely not. It's the bare minimum. And at the minute, it seems that they're not even getting that, which um, is really disappointing. Um, so, yeah, I think it's the least that the players should have is a, a, a well, even a changing room. Like that's really grassroots level kind yep. of thing. But we must remember that they're, they're professional players. And I think looking, I know um, from my time at Tottenham, we recruited quite heavily from Birmingham last season. Um, for for these re- for some of these reasons, so um, it seems like it's been ongoing, um, but hopefully now this will will turn it around for the for the players. Yeah, well, I was going to ask you that actually because back in January 2020, we featured on Women's Football Weekly a piece by Claire Bloomfield and Ian Herbert in the Daily Mail, which caused a bit of a stir regarding Tottenham women's training facilities. You know, no fridge, poor conditions, players using kids boots but things are very very different now the club seemed to realize that the facilities needed to evolve and and the team are now training full-time at the men's facilities on Hotspur Way and and perhaps that's how the game can move forward and clubs can can learn from this and actually by putting it in the public domain and almost shaming clubs into doing something about it can actually change things in the future Jenna. Yeah I think um, with Tottenham I think it was always um, the plan for the girls to be at Tottenham Hotspur away, it was the fact that I think we gained promotion a season early, than, earlier mm. than expected. And within a short t- time frame, we had to turn from a semi-professional club to a full-time club, facility, staff, squads. And that was a, an ongoing process. And I think it, it, it probably was sped up. And now the girls are where they deserve to be. And they go into this amazing training ground every, every morning. Uh, like how more motivating. They don't have to worry about anything. They're sharing the facilities with the men. They're in the gym. So it's perfect. And yeah, hopefully um, this story here will, will do the same for Birmingham. Yeah, exactly. Rich, as I understand it, the FA 
are potentially looking into whether or not Birmingham City women have actually breached the terms of their WSL licence. Is that right? And is that regarding the staff contracts, perhaps? I think they will have to. I think, above all, I think the facility, the licensing, I think the FA are quite big on facilities and the infrastructure and what the players and the staff have available to them. It's a really tough balance because, obviously, once you start going down that route, obviously it leads to the questions over whether they will get their licence withdrawn. But the people you punish if you go down that route is not really the owners, it's the players, it's the staff, it's the ones that are fighting against this fight. Yeah, and the fans, you know, who obviously want to have a WSL team to go back to hopefully next season, you know, if, if fans are allowed back in. And I just think, but, you know, I suppose anything that's licensed in the world, you know, if you don't meet your requirements, you get your license taken away. That's not just football, but I really hope that is not a route that we have to go down with Birmingham because, I mean, any club, but they have such a, a rich history in the women's game and mm. always have had even pre-WSL era. So, like you say, it's kind of, it's the player power, you know, putting the message out there, putting pressure on the club, but... Like anything, it will go one of two ways. It will get the reaction that we all want and it will get Birmingham to sort of do what Tottenham did and and realise that actually they've fallen behind and they need to do more. Or it will just get them to say, look, we've had enough of this. We're going to pull the plug and and drop down. And and if that's what we have to do, that's what we have to do. But um, it's an unenviable situation for everybody. Uh, I'd be a little bit surprised... You know, I saw the story saying the FA were going to look into it. I'd be a little bit surprised if the FA weren't already somewhat aware if the issue is that serious um, behind the scenes that someone mm. at the FA would would already know what was going on a little bit. So I hope they. Well, they've kind been of... talking to them about the grounds, haven't they? Certainly, yeah, and, and supporting them with regarding uh, to, to, to giving them St George's Park and uh, and. Th- as I understand it, also helping them fulfil the, the, the final fixtures of the season as well. So they're, so they're clearly aware of the situation. It's, it's what exactly they can do at this stage, I suppose. I think it has to be that support, whether the, you know, the PFA also have to get involved, I don't know. But I think it definitely has to go down the route of how can we support this? How can we change this before just steaming in all guns blazing and saying, OK, we're taking your licence away. I don't think that's going to help anybody, particularly heading towards the very end of the season now where clubs are trying to sort contracts, recruitment, you know, they need some kind of certainty over which league they're going to be in. And obviously they've still got a great chance of staying up on the pitch. And if they stay up, um, they deserve to stay up. So, you know, they need to have the right support in place to ensure that if they survive in the WSL this season, that, you know, they're in the WSL next season. Yeah, very much so. And, and just finally, Rich, I mean, you, you know Carla Ward uh, well from, from her time at Sheffield United, where, of course, uh, you, you work as well. And she's not the type of person, as Jenna said, she's a former player herself. She's not the type of person that is going to let this go unnoticed and, and nothing done about it. She's going to fight for that club, isn't she? Yeah, and, and, and that's what Carla's like. She's very forthright. She doesn't accept mediocrity. She certainly won't accept that. But what Carla will do, she won't fight for it for herself. She'll be fighting for it for her players, for the fans, for the club. And, you know, I'm sure she's been through a lot there this season with with a few other things as well and and situations even out of her control that she will have had to deal with. Like I said earlier, the the whole Hannah Hampton Team GB thing, which I'm sure she had to, to handle somewhat with Hannah. And it's just been overall a difficult year. And I think it shows that the job that, you know, she's done on the pitch, obviously they could still go down. But I think at the start of the season, 
pretty much everybody probably wrote them off as, as the team that was going to go down. So mm. the fact that they're still in there shows the job that she's done. But you're right, you know, she won't settle for it. And I think if it doesn't change, I'm sure she'll be looking at, you know, what she wants to do beyond this season. Um, but yeah, you know, Carla will fight. She will fight. She'll fight for it in the right way, but um, she'll definitely fight for it. I think more so for the players than anything else. Yeah, and the players deserve more. We're talking about a professional league that's going to be getting 75% of a massive broadcast pot next season. And people are not going to stand for, for these kind of conditions anymore. And, you know, these allegations need to be looked into and something uh, needs to be done. And I'm just, if I, if I use the word proud, I'm going to sound patronising and that's not what I mean at all. But as a women's football fan um, and a journalist working within the game, I, I'm very proud that, that this show of unity has come out and something can potentially be done with it, um, especially for the fans. And we get many Birmingham City fans getting in touch with us here on Women's Football Weekly, desperate to make sure that their, that their team and their club are setting standards that other clubs are. And that's absolutely vitally important going forward. Uh, right, you are listening to Women's Football Weekly on TalkSport 2. I'm Faye Carruthers, alongside former Spurs captain Jenna Scalacci and women's football writer Rich Laverty. Bit of better news coming up because we're going to talk to the championship title winners, Leicester City. Women's Football Weekly with Faker Others on Talksport 2. This is Women's Football Weekly on Talksport 2, the only show on national radio dedicated to women's football with Faker Others, Rich Laverty, and former Spurs captain Jenna Scalacci. Don't forget, if you do miss any of our shows, or you want to listen again, our podcast is available on the TalkSport app, so you can download it today. Uh, now then, it was a historic day yesterday for Leicester City, who sealed the championship title and promotion to the Barclays FAWSL with a 2-0 win over London City Lionesses on what would have been late club chairman Vishay Srivad Hanaprabha's 63rd birthday. Well, we don't look at others, to be honest with you. We want to look at ourselves and just keep our keep our progression going. And um, like I said, the Morgan family have done a wonderful job in getting them to where they are and giving that giving that uh, that springboard to, for now Leicester to to ho- hopefully take them to 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 another level. There's more than more than the two teams wanting to fight for that, but it'd be just great to be up there and and, and battling and keeping the progression going. Ever since I knew that Leicester was a possibility of me coming back to, it's something that I always just wanted to achieve and I'm someone who's not really ever been on a, a team that's you know an out and out winning team I've always been on kind of like an underdog team um, and I'd actually say that Leicester here at Leicester we have that mentality we don't go out thinking that we're gonna beat every team just because we have you know the facilities and whatever yes it puts a little bit more pressure on us but at the end of the day we have to take one game at a time and you know, the season has been a bit crazy and we've just got to keep focus on, you know, the next week, the week after that. And um, I'm trying not to get too ahead of myself, but I can't lie. I've definitely had uh, a few dreams about potentially lifting a trophy with my childhood club, definitely. And it's Flint. And that surely clinches the title. Leicester City have a second. On as a substitute, Natasha Flint. Fires yet another goal. Um, yeah, it's been a long journey for me. It's been seven years uh, where we were playing, in all honesty, off, off parks and out of tin sheds for change for changing rooms. Um, I remember when I first started, but I didn't have even a, a squad. I think we had 12, 12 players. I joined obviously 18 months ago, and when I spoke to Jonathan, the first thing that we talked about was our aim is to get promoted and to win the league at the end of the season. And 
to think that, you know, 18 months later, after everything that we've been through, ups and downs, people coming in, people coming out, um, to have done it with another two games to spare is just surreal, and to do it at home, um, unbelievable. Brilliant, absolutely love that. Uh, you heard Ambassador Emil Heskey and defender Ashley Plumpter speaking to Women's Football Weekly earlier on in the season. And manager Jonathan Morgan, that's thanks to Leicester City FC TV for some of those clips as well from the celebrations yesterday. Uh, joining us now here on Women's Football Weekly is Leicester City's Sophie Barker. How are you doing, Sophie? I'm good, thank you very much. How are you? Oh, I bet you were. How were the celebrations yesterday? Uh, they were great, actually, to be fair. They're limited, obviously, because of kind of COVID and stuff. So we tried to kind of celebrate as best we can. And um, hopefully kind of the end of the season, we'll have a bigger celebration when we can all do it properly. What did you do in the end? Uh, we just stayed on the pitch for a bit. Um, we just kind of just had a laugh, really. Just stayed together. And that was about it, really. We couldn't do much more, to be fair. No, I know. It's so frustrating, isn't it? But as you say, you know, it'll be even sweeter uh, when restrictions start to get lifted and you can hopefully uh, celebrate a, a bit more. I mean, I saw the reaction at the end of the game from Ashley Plumtree, who we had on the show uh, just a few weeks ago. Uh, she got quite emotional and it must have been a real mix of emotions when the final whistle went. Um, yeah, it was. We've had um, a difficult season. Um, not in terms of results, but in terms of kind of the pressure. It's been there from day one, really. And as a player, when you've got that pressure on you, sometimes it can change your performances individually and as a team. And dealing with that pressure all the way through and kind of coming towards the end of it with now 12 games um, undefeated, it's been amazing, really. It's been a great little journey. Yeah, I bet it has. And, and it does seem as if you've got a fantastic squad um, atmosphere there as well. I mean, I came down to the training ground um, at the beginning of the season uh, to meet a number of you and, and everybody just seemed really relaxed. It seemed so professional and slick already and, and very much as if you were ready to be a WSL team. Yeah, I think that's kind of credit to Jonathan in terms of his recruitment and stuff. Um, he's recruited some players that I think Ash said on the ad there that are winners really and just want to win. Um, and he's done that really well. And like you said, we kind of we kind of started a little bit kind of slow in terms of our results, in terms of gelling together as a team. We drew a couple, um, but kind of as we started to, to gel and, and when we moved into our new training ground, I think things just turned from there really, and it just it felt amazing. Um, you could just feel the change, and then it kind of just showed in our results. So, yeah, it's, it's been great. Yeah, it's interesting you say that about the facilities, actually, because obviously we've had the Birmingham City news come out today with allegations that the players have made about their facilities. And, and you know, at this stage of what Leicester City are doing, those facilities, the professionalism are vital, aren't they? Yeah, that's the difference, really. You can kind of do everything you can on the, on the pitch and everything you can as an individual, but if you haven't got the facilities and you haven't got that, the that stuff kind of behind you it's difficult and I've been at clubs where we've not had the best of facilities but we've made the most of it but I've seen the change here kind of moving from that kind of semi-professional club to professional club and using those facilities um it's, it's made a lot of difference in, in me as an individual to be fair yeah, I bet it has. Um, Jenna Scalacci was promoted uh, a couple of seasons ago with Tottenham Hotspur. I wonder if uh, she's on the line at the moment. She's not in my eye line, so I'm going to ask her if she's got a question <laughs> for you instead. Jenna? Yeah, no worries. <laughs> um, when 
during this season did you you know realize that this this was there to win it it was in your hands um it, it wasn't until quite late on really because it's always been a it's been a battle between us uh, and Durham all the way through they've been fantastic this season they've kind of been up there throughout the years as you'll probably know um and kind of we we've never took our foot off the gas really and it kind of took this last game for us to kind of realize that that we could win it it was always in our eye line but you never know with results. The league is so competitive nowadays and, and teams are so much kind of better now. Um, and, it, yeah, it kind of took us to, to yesterday, to be honest, for it to kind of sink in for us to realise it. So, yeah, it's pretty great. Listen, I know it's a little bit early, <laughs> but how are you feeling about about next season? When, when you've looked at the Barclays FAWSL this season, are you looking at your team and thinking you can really compete? Oh yeah, of course. We've we've played a couple of, of WSL one teams already, and and I'd say we can we can compete already. Um, but in terms of our squad, we are a very young squad. Um, I'm kind of the oldest now, and, and at thirty, um, the, the so kids old. are learning. It <laughs> <laughs> feels it. Trust me, with these kids running around. Um, but yeah, kind of if we could add some more experience in our in our team um, in terms of WSL one experience, that'd be fab because these young girls are learning and they're learning really quickly. Um, but you kind of, for me, you need that experience in WSL 1 because it is a massive step up uh, in terms of everything, really. You, you go in there and play in kind of world-class players and world-class teams. So you can't just come up and expect to, to compete. I think you've got to do everything you can. And I think experience is one of those things. So, What, um, what are you thinking in terms of uh, the talk around expanding the league uh, potentially? I know that's a difficult question to ask when you've only just been promoted up there and maybe you'll say it's quite, you're quite happy with it just being 12 as it is. But you know, do, do you think that we're at this stage now where, where perhaps uh, the FAWSL needs to be expanded? Um, yeah, potentially. Um, I think the more teams that are up there, it gives more uh, women the opportunity to play kind of full-time football, which obviously is, is what everybody wants, really. Uh, and that's kind of like childhood dreams for me. Uh, even going up now is this is my first kind of career that I've had in terms of football side of it. I haven't done this full-time. And expanding the league, if it can give more opportunities to more players and more teams, that would be great. Um, it just makes the league more competitive. Um so, yeah, I'm all for it, really. Brilliant. Listen, I'm, I'm very much looking forward to getting you on the show again soon, sometime in the summer, and hearing what actual celebrations you were able to have. And we're all looking forward to seeing you on the pitch in the Barclays FAWSL next season. Congratulations, <laughs> Thank Sophie. Much. Thank you very all right, much. Thanks take for care me. of yourself. Bye. All right, speak again soon. Uh, Leicester City's Sophie Barker there. Um, listen, there were um, other results in the championship, of course. Let's not forget Liverpool 2-0 winners over Lewis. Uh, Blackburn lost 1-0 to Coventry United. Um, Rich Laverty, Sheffield United, 3-0 winners over Crystal Palace. And Charlton under Karen Hills, 3-1 winners over London Bees. She'll be uh, delighted about that. Rich, I just want to ask you about London Bees, because what's the latest with the with the relegation um, d- decision? Has that been made yet? I'm slightly out of the loop on that. Would they be relegated, or has that not been confirmed by the FA yet? I think as far as everybody's aware there is relegation I think London Bees the players from things I've read and little snippets I've heard of their interviews they certainly think they've been relegated so um, yeah I don't think anything has changed um, from that side of things I think there are discussions about whether clubs will come up from tier three based Mm. on license applications I think that is still 
ongoing. I, I so certainly it would just hope... be a smaller league potentially. Yeah, I, I don't think that would be the right thing to do. I mean, we have two fewer games as it is. I think there's a real opportunity there now to expand it, um, even just up to twelve. You know, mm. to, to, a to get an even number because we've we've had eleven teams <laughs> for the last couple of years, which you know logistically is difficult because there is always one team that that misses out and my OCD you know, can't quite cope with that either to be yeah, honest. I know. And, and there's teams that you know that are, that are chomping at the bit now that you know have been up there the last couple of years and obviously the league hasn't finished either season so I think if there's an opportunity there and clubs have licensed applications in you know to get maybe one team up from the northern league and one team up from the southern league and then just continue that restructure below, you know, with teams, I think, like Wolves and Ipswich, you know, in Tier 4 that have been right up the top of their leagues as well the last couple of years to get up to Tier 3. I think there's an opportunity there now to do that. So I think if um, I think if we go from 11 down to 10, yeah, OK, it solves the, the odd number issue, but we want more games. We don't want fewer games. And, and there are teams now that, you know, are probably outgrown Tier 3. So um, mm. I, I think if we don't, go to at least 12 teams next season then we we've, we've missed a huge a huge chance to expand expand the championship yeah, agreed. Right, this is Women's Football Weekly on Talk Sport 2. I'm Faker Rothers. You were just hearing there from women's football writer Rich Laverty. Spurs captain Jenna Scalacci is with us as well. And next up, we're going to be dissecting all the Barclays FAWSL action from the weekend. You're listening to Women's Football Weekly on Talk Sport 2. I'm Faker Rothers, keeping you company with me as former Spurs captain. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. The future isn't scary, not realizing its potential, however, could be. Just like on the recruiting trail, I've seen potential come in many forms as a coach. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. In Jenna Scalacci and women's football journalist Rich Laverty. Uh, now there were 23 goals across the six WSL fixtures this weekend. Here's how they sounded. Kirby gets her head down, lays it to Cuthbert, tries to create space for the shot. She does. That's a good save by Hampton. Following up by Kerr, and Chelsea have taken the lead. Sam Kerr finds a way through towards the far post. There is the header, and there is the third goal. 
And Sam Kerr has a hat-trick. And Chelsea are running away with this match now. Kirby has Charles to the right-hand side. Kirby may go alone, and she does. And why not? And Chelsea have hit Birmingham for six. Van der Donk, now Miedemar. Strike across goal into the corner. And Arsenal, within four minutes, break the deadlock. Excellent pass to Nobbs. Bagley makes the save, but Miedemar was not going to miss from there. And has stayed on side to make it 4-0 to Arsenal. Kagman from the spots. Referee blows her whistle. Kagman, oh, it's a really powerful strike past Mary Earps. And it will be Brighton who take the lead. It's a very dejected, disappointed camp right now with the position that we're in for Christmas. Um, I don't think injuries have helped us at all since January. Uh, but again, no excuse, really. We should be coming here and picking up points. Garley lifts on on a hat-trick. Here's Thomas. Thomas away. Lifts over the keeper. Goal five for West Ham. It's the perfect afternoon for bottom of the table West Ham, but they're not bottom anymore. They're not bottom anymore. I mean, wow. Talk about coming out and surprising everybody. A huge win for West Ham. Took all of us by surprise, I would say, with the manner of this victory, which is actually Oli Harder, the manager's first, since he took the job at the end of last year. It was a pretty impressive showing from them, Jenna. Yeah, I mean, they needed a big performance and a big result, and they did exactly that in the first half, I think. The last couple of performances from West Ham, I've been following them and I haven't really been impressed. To me, they haven't looked like a team that's fighting for survival. But I mean, on Saturday, they put in an absolute performance and a half and they thoroughly deserved the three points. They they just, you could tell they wanted it more. Um, they took their chances. And yeah, it was a different West Ham team to, to what we've seen of late. Yeah, I wonder what Oli Harder has said to them because it's taken them a long while. I mean, obviously, when you have a manager for so long as they did with Matt Beard, it is going to be very difficult for a new manager to come in and start implementing his own style and getting the players on board with that. But he certainly seems to have done something in this past week, although I'm sure it's actually you know an accumulation of, of the last four months' work that, that he's brought in, um, for them to click in this kind of manner and against a Reading side that, you know, you don't expect a performance from them like this. Yeah, Rich, sorry. <laughs> or, or Jenna. I forgot that you're not sat in front of me. I'm sat in a booth by myself and neither of you can see me. I'll direct... Jen, Jenna, you pick that up. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, no, I think Reading have been guilty of dropping points. So they, they may have... Uh, they'll obviously know that and, and looking to capitalise on that. I think, um, like everything, when a new manager comes in, it does take time to gel and time unfortunately West Ham don't have so hopefully this is a turning point for them I did see on their Instagrams the night before that they were actually doing karaoke so I don't know whether that's <laughs> that that team bonding has helped them slightly maybe <laughs> uh, may, well may, I mean this is what's difficult isn't it I mean you know d just there it shows how we're having to operate in in Covid times with me in one studio Jenna at home Rich at home one, normally we're all in one studio together and can have a bit of rapport and it must be quite difficult as a player to not have that kind of same social aspect that you would have being able to go out after matches bonding and making sure you, you know that, the, that that translates onto the pitch as well I mean they've still got two games in hand Rich and a better goal difference than Aston Villa and Bristol City as well do you think after this performance that's going to give them enough confidence that they will stay up I think the manner of the victory was very important not just to 
to just scrape through to win in such convincing fashion, like you say, against a team that, you know, one way or another have sort of been one of the most baffling teams in the WSL this season. <laughs> I think even Jess Fishlock said that in her last mm. interview before she left. She said they'd had a yo-yo season. You know, they've gone from obviously beating Man United away. You know, I watched them at Man City last week. They were incredibly solid. If you'd have said they were going to concede five at home to West Ham, you would have, you know, probably just laughed your head off. So, yeah, for West Ham, you know, like you say, with those games coming up, they've got Aston Villa to play a few times who kind of got into a bit of a rut, really. They kind of felt like they'd picked up a little bit of form after Christmas when Iwabuchi came in, but they've really tailed off again now. And I think West Ham, with that confidence, just that absolute lift that you need, not like you said, not just from scraping through, but from winning so convincingly, I think it, it should be, with only a few games to go, the impetus they need um, to go on and, and survive. I mean, a team like West Ham should be surviving. They've got some very good players. They've got internationals throughout that team. Obviously, Kenza Dali came to the fore on, on Saturday with the first goal. Martha Thomas got a hat-trick. Katarina Svitkova, you know, has been, I think, the Czech player of the year quite a few times now. So there's a lot of talent there. It just needs harnessing. Um, and I think, obviously, Saturday was just a a glimmer of, of maybe what that team could be in the future. Yeah, Ollie Harder uh, mentioned that as well. He said fantastic performance from Martha Thomas as a striker. It's been difficult for her in the last few matches, not scoring, but creating good chances for herself. And today she managed to put the ball in the back of the net, which is going to give her the world of confidence going forward. And he insists that the group has belief and uh, they've been on the wrong end of results, but thought that their recent performances have been uh, decent in terms of, of what they're trying to do. Kelly Chambers, Reading manager, less happy, though, saying that her team just did not come out with the fight and desire that she asked them uh, to come out with. So very frustrating from her point of view. Um, now then, Chelsea 6, Birmingham nil. We've talked about Birmingham's off-field problems and, and that's clearly uh, translated on the pitch as well. I mean, they lasted 25 minutes, kept it goalless, but once Sam Kerr opened up the scoring, that was almost as if nothing uh, nothing that they could do. She got a first-half hat-trick as well. Frank Kirby, two goals. Guru Wrighton also on the score sheet. I mean... We talked last week about that kind of unstoppable duo of Kirby and Kerr this season, Jenna, and they have just been a, a real torment to WSL defences, haven't they? They have. They've, they've, the connection just looks stronger every with every game, and they've they've only played together a season, so it's frightening to think of how how powerful they might be next season with another season behind them. But yeah, I mean, Chelsea are just firing on all cylinders. The goals are coming from all over the park. Um, Birmingham, as you say, really, sh I mean, they kept them to nil-nil for 25 minutes, but then the floodgates did just open. I think, again, that just highlights the depth that Birmingham City and Carla Ward has at the moment and, and, and the difference, the golf indifference between the two teams. Yeah, it certainly does. Why don't we hear from the two managers, uh, Emma Hayes and Carla Ward, speaking post-match. Honestly, I like I said when I when I saw the team sheet, I did hope that you know a few of them might have the day off after their unbelievable performance in the week and four games in two weeks. But uh, part of me was pleased be, uh, that, that they played because you get to test yourself against the best. But they were exceptional, you know. Tom, I, I see that you're here and. You would have seen it firsthand, the way they moved the ball. You know, they're physically in a far better position. They are technically in a better position tactically. They're, there's a reason why they're going into the semi-final of, um, you know, the Europe's elite. 
Um, there's a reason why they're top of the league. Um, and you, you honestly, sometimes you have to sit back and, and respect what you've just played against. And quite honestly, they were um, exceptional. I think it was a performance that the whole squad uh, contributed to. And when you play so many games like we do, everybody has to be at the same level. And this was the first game this season. I thought no matter who I put in, there isn't going to be a drop in standard anywhere. Um, so for that reason, it was the complete performance and even even harder considering we've had to come back from, from Wednesday's game. So I was delighted uh, with everybody today. Yeah, I'm not surprised she was delighted, Chelsea manager Emma Hayes there, because, yeah, I mean, they put everything in against Wolfsburg, didn't they? Because we haven't even mentioned the fact, which in, in any other week would be a top story here on Women's Football Weekly, that, that Chelsea women are into the semi-finals of the Champions League after that 5-1 aggregate win over Wolfsburg on Wednesday. So then to come and, and put six past, past Birmingham, and they're, they're just really riding high at the moment, Rich, aren't they? They are, and, you know, with the talent they've got, you know, Sam Kerr, I mean, I remember watching her in the Community Shield, and obviously it was well documented at the time, the amount of chances she missed in that game, that was never going to last with Sam Kerr. I mean, she's been unbelievable. I think she's tied Miedemar now at the top of the scoring charts, and, and like you say, her and Kirby um, together have just been unstoppable, probably the best partnership, I think, in women's football on current form and, and they're hard to stop. They're really hard to stop. I think the Champions League will be very interesting. You know, they've got a good semi-final, but, you know, Bayern Munich have kind of surpassed Wolfsburg now in Germany this year. So I, I don't think they can underestimate them. And I did, I did think against Atletico and against Wolfsburg, there were definitely times they rode their luck. Obviously, the penalty against Atletico was, you know, well documented the amount of times Atletico actually missed a penalty over those two legs. But both teams did create a lot of chances and I think there is only so long you can get away with that um, the further you get into the competition but they've definitely got a chance I think in terms of the league it's going to be fascinating because you know Man City are absolutely relentless and I'm sure we'll talk about them in a minute but mm. uh, they've still got to play each other as well and, and when that game will be now not sure because Chelsea have the Champions League semi-final when that game should have been played so the likelihood is it is going to be probably right at the end of the season they may even have to play it after the season has ended so amazing you know we, and it could I mean last season you know it would kind of make up for last season because that did turn out the 3-3 at the CFA did turn out to be the title decided just none of us knew it at the time before yeah. obviously the, the pandemic hit so we might actually get that title decider for real this time yeah, quickly before we go, Jenna, I, I just want to highlight Emma Hayes' comments from, from midweek because she said it was a proud day for English football after they finally beat Wolfsburg. She said, I faced that opponent so many times and felt humiliated and lost. And I always thought they were the benchmark for women's football alongside Leon. I mean, it, it was really a, a proud day for women's football, wasn't it? Yeah, English definitely. Um, yeah, definitely. And I think, you know, Chelsea... Over the years, they've just failed at that last hurdle. And, and as Emma said, she's, she, they've done it now. They've beaten the Wolfsburgs. And now, could it be their year? I think they're, they've definitely got the quality within the squad. Um, it, they, it's, they've been in the Champions League, obviously, previous seasons, but just never, you know, got past that final hurdle. But I think this season, they're looking so strong. I think they've got the quality and depth within their whole squad on the bench. Like you could 
think I saw somewhere that they could probably field two 11-a-side teams with their squad. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I, I think it was a really special day for English uh, women's football and, and I, I do believe they can do something special this season. Yeah, absolutely. Looking forward to seeing exactly what they can do. Right, you're listening to Women's Football Weekly on TalkSport 2. I'm Faye Carruthers. Those were the thoughts of former Spurs captain Jenna Scalacci. We're with Rich Laverty as well. And next, we'll be chatting through uh, the final games from the WSL from the weekend and previewing some of the action coming up in the international break. You're listening to Women's Football Weekly on TalkSport 2, the UK's only national radio show dedicated to women's football. I'm Faye Carruthers alongside journalist Rich Laverty and former Spurs captain Jenna Scalacci. Don't forget, if you do miss any of the show, you can catch up by downloading the TalkSport app and subscribing to our podcast. You just need to search Women's Football Weekly. Right, a few more games to get through. Tottenham um, 3-0 defeat to Manchester City. City opening the score early. Uh, Chloe Kelly whipping in a corner that Becky Spencer failed to deal with. Uh, City adding two more through uh, Becky and Weir as well, continuing to keep the pace with Chelsea, of course. We mentioned a moment ago that it all comes down to the game at the CFA, but we still don't know when it's going to be because of Chelsea's Champions League semi-final first leg against Bayern Munich. Of course, City unfortunately knocked out of the competition by Barcelona 4-2 on aggregate midweek. Emma Hayes actually saying that uh, after Chelsea's game that she hopes the City game's not going to be rescheduled in the week in between her side's first and second legs of the Champions League semi-final. Unfortunately, she doesn't have a lot of uh, control over that but um, uh, disappointing for Rianne Skinner and, and Tottenham there Jenna yeah really disappointing they've had a you know haven't won a game in seven games now um, they've just failed to I think they've been coming out of the blocks a bit too late they start playing football when you know where the score lines around about three nil down and it's just too late Um I think when Rianne first came in, they, we obviously went on the three unbeaten run and, and since then have really struggled. We've been creating opportunities, just really struggling to finish off and uh, to get the ball over the line, which ultimately, if you don't do that, you don't get any points. So, yeah, it's really, really tough time at Tottenham at the moment and some really difficult fixtures coming up. Yeah, and you mentioned that Manchester City, Manchester United didn't get the ball over the line either in their match against Brighton and Hove Albion, who were 1-0 winners, bouncing back from that heavy defeat to Everton last weekend. Inessa uh, Kagman scoring from the penalty spot in the 25th minute, and United just didn't really threaten Brighton at all. And really disappointing for Casey Stoney as well because injury problems getting even worse for them. Lauren James came off after 38 minutes. Kristen Press was absent. You've got Russo, Fuso, Heath, Galton all still out, which which is big for them. And, you know, also perhaps Rich, you know, struggling to make that um, Champions League spot now. Yeah, it was a surprise defeat. They've had a few of those lately where... Yeah, they've got injuries, but you would still expect them to be scoring, you know, against the Brightons, against the Reddings. Okay, Arsenal is a very tough game. But, yeah, I mean, it's hard now. I mean, even before Arsenal had the game in hand, now they still have Mm. the game in hand and they're already level. So it's very, very difficult. I mean, look, the injuries have been very, very tough. I think Casey's been quite open that they need to look into that. Obviously, Christian Press came back played at Old Trafford last week and is injured again. I mean, she's had a lot of knocks on and off that, you know, that can't be a coincidence when players keep picking little things up. And yeah, I, I think particularly when Heath and, and Galton 
got injured around the same time. I think they were really the two main attacking sparks for United this season. Galton was in unbelievable form. Tobin Heath really hit the ground running, you know, once you started to start games towards the end of last year. And they're just, yeah, Russo, like you say, being out as well, you know, another yeah. really brilliant talent. And, you know, they could be a scary team going forward when everyone's fit. But as you say, just without those players, they're just, they, they've they gone a little bit back to last season in terms of the attackers they had available. And mm. you're starting to see sort of those similar results that, that really, you know, ended their opportunity of top three last season as well. Yeah, really difficult for them at the minute. But Arsenal 6-0 winners over Bristol City. Miedemar replying to Sam Kerr's push for the WSL Golden Boot. Two goals of her own in that one. Uh, she's now scored 15 times and assisted four goals in just six appearances against Bristol City. According to Opta Joe, that's the most direct goal involvements by any player against a single side in the competition. Just incredible. And listen, I've already highlighted two or three stories today that could in any other week have been top of the uh, top of the tree on women's football weekly and and one of them was John Montemuro the uh, Arsenal boss announcing that he's going to be leaving Arsenal at, at the end of the season we, we're running out of time fast Jenna so just a quick word on Joe Montemuro because some of the tributes to, to him and what he's done for Arsenal women I know as a Spurs former Spurs player it's difficult for you to say that but he has been incredible for the women's game over here in England and a really big loss uh, for him leaving yeah, I mean, he he um, he turned Arsenal around, really. You know, when they they lost the dominance that we've always known them from, and he and, he, and he's picked them up and he's turned them back around. I think he, he, whenever I've met him, he's always been a really, really lovely, lovely guy, and I think he really cares about his players. So I think he's he's going to be massively, massively missed. I think you know, Champions League. Obviously, this season they haven't hit the heights that they would have liked to and Champions League must be an absolute minimum and hopefully they, they can send him off with a with a Champions League place. Yeah, that would be incredible, wouldn't it? Um, and we will talk more about Joe Montemuro and his legacy uh, next week on, on Women's Football Weekly, which is more of an international special. Uh, the other result we haven't mentioned, Everton 3, Aston Villa 1, leaving Villa now at the bottom of the table after West Ham 1. Uh, but a real dominant display for, from Everton in the end. They were, they were fantastic. Um, Villa now bottom of the table, as I said, one point behind Bristol City, but with two games in hand. We have got an international special next week because games coming up. We've got France. England, which I'll be bringing you updates of on Talk Sport on Friday. Uh, England, Canada at Stoke on the 13th of April, which is the week on Tuesday as well. And then, of course, that massive Euro 2021 playoff uh, on Friday between Northern Ireland uh, and Ukraine and uh, the second game uh, on that following Tuesday. Wales are also playing friendlies against Canada and Denmark. Ireland playing friendlies against Denmark and Belgium. And, by the way, the Scottish Women's Premier League returned on Sunday for the first time since January and the league's had a breakthrough TV deal as well as a new 30 minutes highlight show made its debut on BBC Scotland last night with live games being shown as well. Listen, it's been packed, this show, <laughs> more than ever, but I love it. Every single week I say to producer Flo, how are we going to fit everything in? This is what I love about women's football nowadays. Everybody's talking about it. It's absolutely huge and we have so many talking points, good and unfortunately bad, but all things that are so crucial in highlighting to put this fantastic game further on the map and get more fans in. And every week it makes me more and more excited that real change is happening. So thank you all for being part of that. Thank you, Jenna. Lovely to chat with you. Thank you. Thank you, uh, Rich, as well.
No problem. Thanks for having me on. Right, next week we're going to be joined by England's record appearance maker Farrah Williams. But congratulations again to Leicester City. Thanks to Sophie Barker, Jenna Scalacci, Rich Laverty, producer Flo, and of course all of you as ever for listening. And don't forget, if you do miss any of the show, you can download the Women's Football Weekly podcast via the TalkSport app.